Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name is Dusty Slay. I'm your host, and I'm here with my wife and co-host, Hannah Hogan Slay. Yee yee. All right. Well, um, what a great day. Uh, we're back. We missed a week. We are sorry that we missed a week. Stuff's ramping up. Stuff's getting busy. We got uh, kids, as you know. Also, my sister was in town last week. Uh, it seems like it would be easier to do podcasts when you have family in town, but when they don't visit, uh, you know, they, my sister ver- visits fairly often, but, you know, they're not here a lot. So it's like, it feels weird to go, hey, you guys have come to visit us. We're going to go sit into a, in a different room and talk to each other with cameras in our face. It's also a timing thing, too, because it's like, all right, you get off the road. You're too tired to do a podcast the night you get off on Sunday. And then Monday you do Nate Land. And sometimes you'll talk for four hours on Nate Land. So it's yeah. like, OK, we're not going to do a podcast Monday night. And then it's like, oh, well, maybe you got a show on Tuesday. And within Tuesday, I, I did have a show. I had a, a photo shoot during the day. Because, uh, as you know, um, as as you've probably seen, unless you don't consume any other content from me except for this podcast, uh, the announcement for the announcement has come out. Last last two weeks ago, I made an announcement we got about an, an announcement. announcement, and the actual announcement is that I have a Netflix special coming out on January sixteenth. Yee yee! Hooray! Yee yee yee! It is very exciting. It is the um, and I'll tell you a little bit about it. Um, uh, I'll give a little backstory. Yeah, we've not talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, let's give a little backstory on it. In 2021, I recorded a Netflix half hour for the stand-ups. And at that time, uh, it was a TV show called The Stand-Ups on Netflix, season three. If you've not watched it, check it out. Uh, And, you know, Netflix had a bit of a different structure for buying stand-up specials back then. So what they would do, my understanding, is they would pay you and film it for you and then put it on Netflix. So that was kind of the thing, right? They 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 paid me to do the stand-ups and they brought me to a place and they filmed it, New York City. Um, and then it came out and they and they they were like, "We'll pay you this much money for this one." And then later, if this one does well, later we'll give you an hour and then we'll pay you this much money and film it. So it was like, "Great." And then um there's no way to know really how well something like that does because, you know, if you put a, a video out on YouTube, you and everybody else can see the amount of views that it gets. But with Netflix, you can't really see. You have to uh, estimate how well it did by other metrics, you know. And by all those metrics, I would say mine did well. Uh People, I, got, I got new followers, people, more people started coming to my shows. Uh, all these things started happening to where I'm like, all right, it must have done very well. But as time goes by, uh, I'm not hearing anything about the hour. So I talked to my manager about it, and she says, you know, I say, do you think I'm going to get the hour? And she says, basically, probably not, right? The, she says, things at Netflix have changed. The structure has changed the way they do things. And, you know, it's not looking good for them to do it at least that old way. 
She said, now what people are doing are filming it themselves and then selling it to Netflix. So I was like, all right. And, but in my mind, I thought, well, Netflix is probably not going to want to buy it. You know, that's just, you know, where I go. I like to, I like to, maybe it's a pessimistic attitude, but I like to live in reality to where I'm like, all right, well, let's, if that's not the path for me, let's figure out a different path. So I decided that I was going to pay, um, I was going to use my money to film my own special. Yee yee. Yeah. And then I was just like, I'm going to just film my special and then I'll make an album out of it and then I'll put it out on YouTube and that's what I'll do. I said, I think that I can do, I see a lot of comics putting their specials on YouTube, having a lot of success with it. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So, but, but in all these talks about filming a special, they were like, you know, uh, we can still pitch it to Netflix, but you have to have a certain quality on, on your special in order to get Netflix to um for it to be up to netflix standard right to try to sell to netflix on the streaming so i had previously i had only done a couple of things now i've had people just film a one camera angle um but i got someone to do it for free for me one time on a video and then my manager paid for the other one but i don't i don't know the cost of it but i don't think it was that expensive but the things that I had had done in the past, in 2014, I recorded an audio album and I making that fudge. And I recorded that for a hundred dollars. And then later, uh, son of a ditch, I had that recorded, and I bet that cost me two hundred and fifty dollars, maybe three hundred. So and I had heard about people getting things uh, filmed with good quality, so I had an idea of what it would cost. But in order to get it to Netflix standards, it was a cost that I never saw coming, and I was blown away by it. Yeah, we had to sell our wedding rings. <laughs> well, it feels like that, where I was like, wow, that is uh, a lot of money. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? I believe in this. I believe in this comedy. And and even if it just ends up on YouTube, I think it's going to get enough views to where it will generate ticket sales. Those ticket sales will help me to pay off what I've spent on this. And I'm willing to risk it. I'm going to do it. And so we filmed it. In we May. Had, in May in Knoxville. We had a great uh, camera crew. We had a director who, who this was all stuff my, my manager recommended, but having a director that has filmed comedy specials before was huge because I see a lot of specials. I've watched a lot of them in preparation for this. I may not watch the whole thing, but I, I look at them and there are a lot of bad ones. I've seen some comics that I know that I think are really funny that do that tell really great jokes and their special looks bad. Um, and I didn't want that. I don't want to spend all this money and then not be happy with the product. And and then after you film it, then begins the editing process. So we took we filmed twice. So you got to basically watch two sets. So you're watching an hour that you're already very familiar with. I've done that hour so many times that I'm pretty tired of hearing it. And then I got to watch it. And I got to watch it and, and, and I go, all right, I want 
you know, this joke from this, this hour, this joke from this hour, you know, because you're like, you know, there's a, there's, there's this one part of me, like with my albums, both of my albums, I recorded one time and I said, let's do it. Um, but with the special, it's like, and I like that. I like that idea of we're just going to film a show and we're going to put it out. Uh, that's what I like. But then at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? Let's create the best product possible. You know, it's like, I know how, how this hour goes. And when, when I did this hour in comedy works in Denver and I did it in, uh, helium in Portland, Oregon. And I mean, they're laughing at every joke, you know? So I'm like, these jokes work, you know? So, and then I did it in Knoxville and they laughed at every joke. I mean, these were hot shows. So basically I'm just choosing the best reaction from the two or how I like myself telling the joke better, you know, but I have to go through that meticulously and be like, Oh, I like this. I like this. I like this. And then after you do that, then they put all that together and then they start adding in the camera angles. So then you got to watch that and you got to go, well, I don't really like this angle this way or, you know, it wasn't so much angles about me worrying about how I look. I mean, I look about the same from every angle, but um, it's more like. Uh, do they cut away at a time when, cause sometimes a punchline is obvious, but sometimes some of the subtle things that I do are the funnier punchline to me. Uh, so if, if you cut away on the subtlety, I don't know, I feel like if it's too subtle and then you cut away, then it gets lost. And I wanted to make sure that things didn't get lost. Well, you say funny things, but you also say things funny. Yes. So sometimes uh, like an editor or a director doesn't catch you saying things funny. Yes. And I think that that's what you want to capture as a director is that kind of essence of Dusty Slay. Right. And mo more recently, we had a highlight reel being made to, to put out to pr promote the video. And, you know, they had all this music behind it to make these like epic kind of things. But, you know, they use some jokes and I like the jokes but I don't, they're not necessarily my strongest jokes, but then it would like, I'd hit the punchline and then some music would come in and play. And I'm like, it's really making these jokes seem a lot hotter than they are, <laughs> yeah. you know? And I'm like, yeah. I don't want that going out. And then people going, Oh, this is the big jokes. It, huh? It's like Bob Newhart would never have like, you know, rock and roll behind him. Yeah. You know, Jim Gaffigan would not have, you know, Nick, Nicky six behind him. Just, just, just going off on the guitar. It's <laughs> yeah. like, that's not the vibe of Dusty yeah. Slay. So, um, but, but overall, um, I'm very happy with the special. I mean, some, a lot of times when you film things and you have to watch it over and over again, you begin to hate the jokes and then you're not even sure if the special's good, but I did not have any of that with this. I'm so happy the with special's it. The special's really good. It looks good. Yeah. The jokes are good. I'm very proud of the jokes. And, you know, obviously Netflix agreed uh, because they wanted to buy it. Yeah. And they did. Um, and I'm very pumped. Um, We're just ready for it to get on out. It just took a it took a couple months between the basically the editing being done and Netflix kind of working out the contract with us. So that's why it's kind of taken a minute. And then I had, you know, um, a friend of mine, Jesse Daniel, uh, who's a country singer. 
Uh, he, I asked him, would he be interested in writing an intro song? Because we're calling the special Working Man, you know. And if you notice on the Netflix half hour, I used Merle Haggard's uh, Working Man's Blues, which I like that song a lot. It's got a real, real riff about it. And I, and I, you know, sometimes like when people, like if they're real hard workers, like they work in construction or they're, you know, they're on a road crew or they dig ditches and they hear me calling myself a working man, they're like, oh yeah, some working man. And I'm like, listen, obviously I'm a comic. Okay. I'm not trying to say anything. It didn't, the title of the the thing is not hard working man. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's working man. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it can be anything. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I, I'm not, For some people just getting out of bed is work. Yeah. I mean, I, I am working, but, but the reason that we kind of went with the title is it's like, you know, I'm just saying, I mean, I've been, you know, I was 32, uh, well, I was 30 when I finally quit working and, and start. I was, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't even quit yeah, look working. At, let's look at the big picture. You never went to college. Yeah. So the second you graduated from high school, which you did do, and not everybody in your family has done. So that's, that's an accomplishment too. Right after high school, you got jobs. And you yeah. were not a professional comedian until... Or, or 32. Even, yeah. But even at 32, it's like you weren't making a lot of money. So you were definitely working no. the road. Yeah. I mean, it's like when I was 16, I got a job at a place called Hickory Hams. I uh, worked there for a little bit. And then I got a job at Western Sizzlin. Uh, then I got a job at Jim Bob's Chicken Fingers. Uh, then I got, I, I could have had that order wrong, but then I got a job at Papa John's. And then I think I... Tell me you're Southern without telling me you're Southern. Yeah. And then I got a job at Office Depot. No, I got a job at Western Sizzlin again. Oh, yeah. I got a job at Western Sizzlin a second time. And then I joined the Army and got arrested and didn't make it in. So I didn't... I'd already quit Western Sizzlin, like going out in a blaze of glory, like, oh, see, I'm going to the Army, you know, so you don't go back. And uh, so I got a job at Office Depot. And then I transferred with Office Depot to Charleston, South Carolina, and I worked for Office Depot. Then I got a job with Hyman's. I worked for Blue Green for a little while, selling timeshares. I did that for about a week. Uh, and then I- You were a valet for a little bit, too. Yeah, then I got a job at Hyman's, uh, and then I got a job at Spectraside. And then- um, Yeah, I mean, you were a pesticide salesman. Yeah. I mean, I would consider that a working man. And I did that for- um, about nine years. And then I also was a valet, uh, for the planners in somewhere in between there for about six weeks. You know, that's what sucks about putting your life online. It's like, now you got to prove to people you are who you say you are. Yeah. It's like all these people questioning if you were raised with, you know, not a lot of money or questioning if you, if your hair's real or if, or if those glasses are kind of a contrived look, or if you, you know, really just kind of worked a white collar job your whole life and you're really like Harvard educated. It's like, dude, get off of them. And get what, off of them. And what looks are not contrived, right? I mean, don't we all go out and we go, oh, I like those glasses. I'd like to see myself wearing those glasses. Yeah. Or I like that hat. I'd like to see myself wearing that hat. Everything is performative now. We're all sort of performing our lives because 
we all have social media accounts for the most part. And if you're putting stuff on social media, you're aware of what you look like, you're aware of what angle you look best in your hair, you know, any touch-ups you need to do on your look, it's like you're learning it all at the same time. You're yeah. telling a story and you're telling the story you want people to see. It's like I ordered a yard glider, which we're going to talk about later, but yeah, I was just sure reading did. comments on the yard glider today. And, uh, you know, it's just showing people hauling stuff around property. And one comment is that thing would last about 20 minutes on my property. And, and then, and the yard glider commented back. They're like, why is your whole property paved? And then they never respond. And it's like, why do you think it's like everybody's acting like everything? Oh, that, that thing couldn't handle my property. And it's like, what what's going on on your property that makes it harder than this other ground that they're dragging things across? He's the same guy that's writing on your uh, videos being like, yeah, right. His dad lived on a farm. He had four wheelers and a pool. Yeah. And He's that the is same true. guy stepping to you. Uh, that is true. I mean, my parents were divorced. I lived with my mom in a trailer and my dad had... Uh, four wheelers, uh, a swimming pool. And, uh, he was married to a lady that I didn't really like. And, uh, and so, uh, I didn't want to spend a lot of time there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, well, I, your dad never gave you nothing. <laughs> no, that's true. We he talk did. about that all the time. Your dad yeah. never gave you nothing. He promised you a car when you turned 16, but then he gave it to his next wife. Yeah, that's true. He gave, and then, and then he gave me her cars. I mean, my dad has given me things, but, uh, yeah, chip on your shoulder. <laughs> but he's given, I would say he's given more to uh, uh, stepkids and my uh, younger sister for sure. Uh, and I'm not mad about it. I, I'm always glad looking back that those sort of things happen because I feel like when you're given too much, then you don't work to get things. And I, you know, I realized pretty early on that nobody was going to be handing me stuff. So it's like, you know, you got to, if you want it, you mm -hmm. got to go get it. And that's the same way with this special is mm -hmm. it's like, all right, I realized, okay, nobody's going to be, Netflix is not going to be calling being like, we're going to film your special and we're going to put it on the internet. Now they did that. They did one of them like that for me, but things changed. I'm not mad at Netflix about it. I'm just saying, I realized that wasn't going to happen. So I'm like, all right, if I want to do this, I got to do it myself. Yeah, it's so empowering. You see lots of comics these days putting out specials yeah. and really pumping out the content. And and it's, you know, you don't need gatekeepers. They're still there. They can still do things for yeah. people for sure. And I would say you've benefited from from gatekeepers. We'll call them for sure. I would say that. But um, you don't you, you can do anything you want as long as you got the wherewithal to do it. And, and, and it definitely costs money. But, you know, where are you putting your money into? You know, just save up. Save right. up, as Killer Bees would say. Well, it's like people, Save up. Well, comics always want to, you know, they're like, oh, I want to start posting clips. And then, uh, you know, then you go, um, all right, well, you got to get a good camera. And you go, they go, how much is a camera? And you go, well, the the baseline good camera is about $1,000. I mean, they can get very expensive, but anything under $1,000 is probably not going to get you internet quality yeah and then they go oh man and it's like that is a lot of money yeah at, at, at some point but it's like you got to save up and then it's like save oh up, what do you do yeah. about audio and it's like well you can you can put your cell phone uh on the bench next to you and record your audio that way and then sync it up with the camera or you can spend another two to three hundred dollars and buy yourself some wireless um mics uh from rode 
and uh, and then you don't have to sync it up, and it records great audio for yourself. It's like now you're thirteen hundred bucks in there, and you're like, dang. But then you got to get a tripod, so that's more money. But it's like if you want to do it, you got to do it. I mean, I know I have a lot of comedy friends that they like they can't get out of their own way because it's like then you got to get editing software if you want good editing software mm-hmm. you, it's going to cost you either a monthly fee to get adobe or you pay 300 bucks and you get final cut pro and you do the editing and not only that do you have to get the software but you got to learn how to edit right and you got to put yourself through that frustrating time-consuming process of learning a new skill and you got to have a computer that can handle the software yeah and you got to have talent yeah, but it's like, but that's the thing. A lot of people have the talent. Yeah, they do. But they won't do all the exterior things and they act like they can't do it. But yet they're spending, you know, $100 a night uh, or, you know, $50 a night in their local bar, uh, you know, boozing it up and they're eating out every meal um, and acting like, you know, I saw a video last night, a guy talking about, uh, how he spent $12 on chips and queso at the grocery store. But if he goes to out to the Mexican restaurant, it costs him eight bucks. And he's like, so it's not cheaper to eat at home. And it's like, well, I, the guy was just being funny. He's just making a video. But somebody's watching that somewhere going, yeah, that's true. Uh, but, you know, chips and queso at the restaurant cost you eight bucks. You eat that one time. You could probably get two meals out of the one that you bought from the grocery store. Plus the gas it takes to drive to the restaurant. Yeah. But it's like, so you probably get two. So that saves you two bucks, Mm -hmm. you know, each time. Yeah. Uh, So it's just like, you know, there are ways to save, but people are are quick to to not want to save. And it's like, that's what I say about cars. You know, I I had, when I was a little kid, my, my dad worked for Aflac, right? And when I was born... Affleck was a smaller company, but they gave me uh, two shares of Affleck stock when I was born, right? I don't play the stock market. I don't think I have any stocks now. But from the time that I was born to the time that I was 30 years old, so 30 years, the stock had was worth $2,000. So at 30, I figured, all right, I'm going to go ahead and sell this. Because in another 30 years, if it does what it's done, if it doubles, if it triples, let's say it triples, it's worth $6,000. And I said to myself, I hope that $2,000 at 30 years old is worth more to me than $6,000 at 60 years old is. That's right. So I took, I sold it and I used that money along with some money that I saved and I bought a you know, in in 2012, no, in 2014, I bought a 2005 Volvo with 100,000 miles on it. And I had the cash. I had been saving money and I sold that stock and I bought a Volvo. And then I put, and then the moment I bought that Volvo, I paid cash with it. The moment I bought it, I started a little fund for myself where I would just put money here and there in a, in a little box And I saved and I was like, this is my car fund money. So by the time I run this car into the ground, I want to be able to, I want this box to have enough money in it to buy myself a new car and not have a car payment. And that's what I did. But I put, I put another 217,000 miles on the Volvo. And by the time I needed to, to get rid of it, uh, which was, 
2018, end yeah, of 2018. Yeah, four years later. So I spent, I took four years saving money, putting it in a box. So by the time I needed to buy a car, I didn't buy an expensive car. I bought a Toyota Camry, which is a lot more expensive now than it was in 2018. That's for sure. Uh, but, and I was able to pay cash. And let's be honest, other than your children, is there anything you loved more on earth than that little Volvo? <laughs> well, my wife and kids. <laughs> okay. But uh, no, I love that car. You loved it. I missed the car you still. You talk about it. You, you yearn for it. You grieved it. Well, it, it was a special car for me. Yeah. I mean, I drove that car a lot. I mm -hmm. drove that car all over the place. I used to, you know, I would drive to really cold places. And in the wintertime, I would sit out there in the car and I would turn it on. I would crank it up and I would roll down the window, have the heat blasting, and I would smoke cigars and listen to the radio out there. Yeah. I didn't have a, a, uh, uh, any kind of Bluetooth in it. It just had a CD player and a radio. And I listened to, so I would really listen to CDs out there. I mean, you know, honey, me and you rolled around that car too. Yeah, we, we did. We rolled around when we first became lovers. Yeah. We, you drove up to Canada and got me in that car and you brought me back to America. And That's I said, true. see you later, Canada. Yeah. I'm going back to America in this 250,000 miles on this car. Yeah. And I ain't looking back. That's right. Yeah. And the, the, the car came with stains and we added some to it. Yeah. I mean, but uh, it was a great car. Yeah. You know, I didn't like it. Did you not like it? You know that. Well, you didn't like driving it. Yeah. It was a hard car to I drive. I liked it for you, but I would never drive it. The steering wheel felt like it was like, a, what was it? Power, not power steering. Yeah, it was a bit hard to steer. Yeah, you couldn't turn it. That's the thing. I, I'd be able to drive it if I was just, you know, going straight for hundreds of thousands of miles. Yeah. But that's not likely. I mean, I drove it everywhere. I drove that car from Nashville to Arizona. Oh, my god! I drove it down to uh, Fort Myers, Florida. I think that was as far south as Wait, I went. Were we in your car when we had to drive from my hometown in Ontario without the maps? Nah, that was your old car, okay. your Honda Civic. Have we ever talked about that on the podcast? I'm pretty sure we have. But, uh, yeah, one time we... Um, we used to go when we used to go visit Canada. Hannah's from Peterborough, Ontario, which is northern, a bit more northern Ontario, uh, and we had to drive to Chicago. We had been visiting her family, and we had to get to Chicago because I had a show that night, and we just we didn't have a phone plan for Canada. Now we do. So when we go to Canada, we don't have these problems, but we didn't have a phone plan, so we were hooked up to her dad's Wi-Fi. So we had programmed in like maps the night before uh, on Google Maps, you know, with the Wi-Fi. And then we just left it connected. Somehow that worked out to where we didn't use, need to use data because we already had the map drawn out. But it, it gave us like shortest route, which somehow took us off all of the main roads. So we were navigating the back roads of Ontario. Southern Ontario, all the way down. All the way to the border. I mean, it was like, drive one mile this way, turn left. Drive two miles this way, turn right. And it was cold. It was snowy. I mean, it took us 
forever. We were full of doubt. We're like, we're for sure not going to be able to make it to the border. No, <laughs> this is this is not taking us to the states. We were all over the place, and then you you know we'd have to stop and get gas. And in Canada, gas is measured in liters. So you pull up, and it says it's this much a liter, and you go, well, that's a pretty good price. But a liter is much smaller than a gallon. So you're like, by the time you're done pumping, you're like, geez, I'm broke now. <laughs> and then. <laughs> And then we finally, we do get to the border and we're in the midst of Hannah's immigration paperwork. So um, they were like, they had us come back and they talked to us and they were like, you shouldn't have left the country. To me. To Hannah. And it was like, oh man. I mean, we were like wondering. And I got a gig at, you know, Zany's Rosemont in, uh, in Chicago. And I've never done that club before. And I'm like, I want to do this show. Yeah, they really held me up at that border because I was waiting for my permanent resident card to come in. I had been approved, but it hadn't come in yet. And come to find out, I talked to my lawyer after who I later kind of fired because they didn't they didn't tell me this. But I actually was not supposed to go to Canada and travel while I was waiting for that card to come. But my lawyers just didn't tell me and I didn't know, you know. And so I was kind of just confused why this border crossing lady was giving me such a hard time. Um, but she was just absolutely doing her job. And in fact, she wasn't doing her job by letting me back into the States, but I appreciate that she did. Yeah. They eventually did let us in. I've always found, and I don't know if it had anything to do with me, but I've always found that, uh, the Southern accent and a good attitude can get you away with a lot of things. You just kind of go in and you just start talking. You go, oh man, we had no idea. And you just start talking, you're friendly, you try to joke around a little bit. And I don't know if they think I'm stupid or what, but eventually they go, you know what, let's just let them through. This is true, Dusty, because I have seen you pull me out of a pickle Many times with that good old Southern Dusty charm that yeah. you got there. You did that in my green card interview. Yeah. You really smooth talked that lady. And you did it recently when I was dealing with some uh, medical stuff. And I I was waiting for a doctor to get back um, with some uh, ultrasound pictures of mine. And they were just real confused about it all. And I was getting frustrated with them and I was kind of like yelling with the lady, the receptionist. And I just had to put the phone down. I was like, I can't talk to them anymore because I just get so angry and flustered. And I then once I'm angry and it comes out, it's like I just I'm not the person I want to be when I'm trying to get something done. Dusty Dang gets on the phone, just says, hey, how's it going? Good, thanks. How are you doing today? That's great. Hey, listen, my wife is just trying to get her pictures now i'm just trying to find out how can she get these pictures yeah now what can i do to get these pictures and then i just hear the the lady's voice over the phone just relax (sighs) she takes a breath she's like you know she could just email us (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i almost died when i heard her say she could just email us because i'm like why didn't this lady tell me this four weeks ago and Jesse's like, hey, thanks so much. You have a good day. Yeah. Well, you just got to get in there and you got to be chill with people. The green card lady was really funny because we'd put together this because you have to prove that you're a real couple. And we'd put together this whole fo- photo album of like our journey 
from meeting each other to where we are now. And we presented this binder to her and she goes, wow. She's like, I just need one or two pictures here. <laughs> You're like, oh, you don't need this scrapbook? Cause we actually enjoyed making this. I mean, this. we had written stuff out. We had our whole story <laughs> written stickers. out. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but that like, yeah, it was great. And so we do get through the border. We get through it. And then we're still pressed for time. So now we're making our way. I think we came in at like Sarnia. Um, and then we're driving. We got to go around uh, one of the lakes there, down through Indiana a little bit, up through Chicago. Lake Michigan, I'd reckon. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we go. Um, and, and And Hannah's flying out. Did I fly out of Chicago? Yeah, so yeah. like I have to drop her off at the airport and then go to Rosemont. And I go and I basically change clothes in the green room. Uh, it's so cold. And then I do my set and my set's really good. It was a lot of fun. And then I'm staying, um, I'm, I'm doing St. Charles Zanies, which is no longer there anymore. But I'm doing that over the weekend. So I... Um, I, that's about an hour from from Rosemont. How long would you say we drove from Ontario to Chicago? I mean, from my hometown to Sarnia is probably five hours. And I mean, if it did take us the short way, it, pro it probably took like five, six hours. Let's see this. Let's go. It probably Pe took about six hours. Let's go Peterborough, Ontario to Chicago. Oh, to Chicago, I mean, that's got to be at least eight or nine hours. That's nine hours. Uh, so we did that drive. And probably, you know, when you're driving like that, you end up stopping a bit. So it probably took 10, 10 and a half. Uh, so we did that. And then, you know, it's late. And then I did a show. It's late into the night. And I drive all the way to St. Charles, about another hour. And they, they got me booked in a hotel because the uh, club is attached to a hotel. And I show up there probably around midnight and they go, yeah, we don't have a room for you. They go, they go, there's a youth group or whatever here, and they've booked up this whole hotel. We don't have a room for you. So I'm like, oh, geez. And I'm looking around at some of the other hotels, and I'm being paid so little to feature at this club that if I book myself a hotel, I'll lose money. So I'm looking around at that, and I get in touch with people from the club, they start working on it and they end up getting me a room. So I get I get checked into a room and I was smoking cigars at the time. So this whole, um, you know, this whole drive, um, you know, this whole I was staying up in Canada, the whole drive. I'd not had any cigars in a while. So the next morning I went and got a cigar and then I bought a couple uh, for, for, um, you know, just the weekend there. So at night I would be, you know, during the day I'd be sitting around out in the, the, the kind of the entrance way to the lobby, smoking cigars. And then at night I would be, um, did you smoke cigars in my car? No. Okay. And then at night I would be, they had a little, uh, campfire area kind of thing set up in the back and I would sit out there and smoke. And, um, and then there were all these kids around the whole time just everywhere. And I was like, geez, there's so many kids here. And I was so irritated by the amount of kids that was just at this hotel. And then like, even when I'm trying to check out the, the, the elevator is so full with kids. I took, I carried all my stuff down like five or six flights of stairs to get down, maybe more because every time the elevator would open, it would be full 
from people checking out and I was so irritated and I got out of there. Later, I realized what that guy said to me when I checked in, that a youth group had rented out this whole hotel uh, and that they didn't have a room for me. So I realized later that I'm irritated by all these kids, but the kids and the people are probably like, Who's this guy hanging out here, smoking cigars, walking around this hotel? We rented out this whole place. Who's this guy just hanging out just here? Just loosely showing off his vices. And I was like, oh, I was so embarrassed of myself later. Uh, but. You know, how do you, how did you stay focused and hopeful during those years? Cause like, even just listening to that story is exhausting to just be like, now nah, I'm going to continue to do comedy in these circumstances with well, low money, high travel. Well, that is the thing about working, right? That's, you know, just to come back around to working man, right? It's like, when you've had these jobs where like the, the spectra side job was a good job, right? Like I make fun of it and I, I talk about hating it, but it was a good job, right? It was a salaried position. You got health benefits, you got a car allowance. It was a good job. I didn't like the work, but it was a good job. And, uh, but that's just it. I didn't like the work. I didn't want to see myself continuing to do this kind of work. So with comedy, it's like, all right, well, there's no money in, in it right now, but I'm good at it. And, and I'm, 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 I'm showing that I'm, I'm, I'm being shown that I'm good at it because I'm going around to these clubs where nobody knows my name. They don't know who I am. And then I get up on stage and I win them over. And I'm like winning over audiences every night. Like sometimes, you know, I'd have a bad weekend or have some bad shows, but for the most part, I'm winning over audiences every night. And I'm like, all right, I'm good at this. I can do this. Even like not getting into uh, last comic standing, like only making it to the final 100. I still made it through an audition at Nashville. I made it through an audition in New York City and I made it to LA. I'm like, all right, this is something though. I'm not where I need to be yet, but this is something. So you're, it's a process, right? So you, tr so you enjoy the process. Like, I don't think enough people want to enjoy the process. They just yeah. want to, they want the end goal, but they don't want to, they don't want what it takes to get there. So I was just enjoying the process. And that was part of it for me. It's, it's like, you know, all these things are happening and you're like, this is so annoying that I've had to travel like this. But once you get into your hotel room, you're like, oh, this is great. This is comfortable. This is fun. Yeah. And your attitude is always on point, too, because, you know, you could have looked at all those things as, you know, deterrence or things that are just not making it worthwhile. But instead, you know, you're saying, Oh, like instead of saying, oh, I didn't win last comic standing, you you thinking to yourself, look at how far I did get on yeah. last comic standing. Yeah. You know, and I think so much of it is just the attitude of focusing on those little wins and not on some perception of a loss. Yeah. And nobody owes me anything. Right. Netflix doesn't owe me anything. Right. Netflix doesn't have to buy my special. Uh, Last Comic Standing doesn't owe me anything. You know, none of these people, you know, it's like you can look around and go, well, if this person's getting it, I should be getting it, too. Yeah. But they don't owe me anything. Yeah. And um, 
And I just think that's important. And I also think from a religious perspective, right, I have to believe that God is guiding my life, right? So it's like, um, as long as I'm, you know, feel like I'm, you know, doing the things I'm supposed to do, obviously, you know, people are going to, you know, do the wrong thing here and there, but it's like, you know, you got to believe that God is guiding your life. And you, and you, and I would always pray that, you know, that, that, uh, that I would be, that God's will would be done in my life. Right. So I'm like, I don't want to do, like, I, I always pray that about uh, contests and stuff like that, where I'm like, if this is not, or, or even like getting a TV show, those sorts of things where I'm like, I would pray, you know, like, you know, like, Hey, I want this, but if this is not what God wants for me, then I don't want that. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I don't want to be getting some kind of money or fame or something like that. If, if this is like, if God's like, Hey, this is not going to be good for you because I don't want that. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. So I just got to feel like, Hey, this is all part of it. Like money, uh, you know, thankfully I've been able to make a little money now and it's like, it is nice. I mean, it does ease up things and it, and it's like, it's not that it just eases it. You can say, well, I'm, I'm having success with this because I'm being paid well, but you know, it's not all about the money. You know, like coming up, I mean, it's like, I remember I worked with this comic named Carl LeBove. Carl LeBove was like famously like best friends with Sam Kennison. And I didn't know that at the time, but I was just working with some guy and I thought he was very funny. And Carl LeBove pitched my CD like real hard, like almost too hard to where it was like, he almost pitched it too hard, like, um, like I was uh, so broke that I I could not possibly make it unless he uh, unless I sold some CDs and I forget the number but I want to say I sold um, I forget all the numbers but let's say I want to say I sold fifty CDs that weekend. And the CDs cost me about a dollar. I was selling them for 10. So I, I, I ended up making 500, which was about 400 in profit. Is that right? Is that my, no, no, no. That'd be about 450 in profit. And I was like, wow, that's really awesome that I just made $450 off CDs. But then my, and then later I got my pay for the weekend. And I want to say my pay was $265. So I drove all the way basically to Chicago, um, a little past Chicago, for four shows for $265. Like by the time you factor in the gas that it takes to get there and back, um, I don't know, let's say it's a hundred bucks. That means I'd make $165 for the weekend, but with him pitching my CD, I made, I was just saying that Carl Laveau pitched my CD. I made $450 off CDs and then my pay for the weekend was 265. So, uh, after gas, probably 165. So him pitching that CD really made my whole weekend. And, um, but yeah, the pay is just so low. I don't remember why I even talking about started talking about Carl LeBeau, but uh, but he but you know he liked what I was doing. And Carl LeBeau has died since then, but uh, he liked what I was doing, and he was very positive on my comedy. And 
Uh, I'm sure he, I didn't realize that I had agreed and not that that's another thing too. When young comics get into it, uh, you know, especially if you live in an area where you got to fly everywhere, it's a lot harder. I was driving, right? So it's like comics, young comics want to get into it and they go, uh, yeah, I'll do that gig. They go, how much does it pay? And you tell them and they go, I don't know if that's worth it. And it's like, it, no, money-wise, it's not worth it, but you can't do it for the money. That's why I always say to people, if you're married and you got kids and you're trying to start working the road now, I'm like, good luck, because I wasn't married at the time. We didn't have kids. When I first started working the road, I wasn't even dating you. I wasn't, I was, you know, just single, living in an, living in an attic apartment, just able to f roam freely across the country for very little money and no one cared. And then when we started dating and got married, you were doing comedy too. I just followed you. Yeah. But you were doing the same thing I was doing. Yeah. But it's like, if, if in our situation right now, if I had a job paying our bills, you were staying at home with the kids and I was paying our bills and I was like, hey, I want to quit this job to go and make basically no money and be gone a lot. <laughs> I mean, that would be unacceptable. Yeah. You know? I'll be, I'd be like, you ain't that funny. Yeah. You ain't funny enough, Buster. Yeah. And so, you know, but you know, yeah, I mean, just depending on your situation, it can work. I mean, there are people that do it. I mean, uh, Leanne Morgan, I mean, their situation was similar. Her husband, I think, was, uh, you know. The breadwinner. Yeah, he had a good job. Yeah. And she was raising the kids and, like, you know, doing some comedy here and there, I think, but doing it for a long time. But my understanding of Leanne Morgan is, you know, she she was not successful for a long time, you know, it, it, at least compared to her success now. But she invested money in um, a social media team. Yeah. And really getting her clips on the internet in an effective way. And then that's what really skyrocketed her popularity and built her fan base in the recent years. So she spent some money, which might have seemed, you know, egregious at the time to put that kind of money into social media teams. Cause unless you know, social media teams are very expensive Yeah, and, and to put that kind of money into that. And, um, but she invested in it and it's like come back tenfold for her. Yeah. So it's the idea that we were talking about earlier, which is, you know, put your money into it. You know, even if it seems like that you can't afford it, ask yourself, is it worth it? Is the payoff worth it? Yeah. And and and, and not just ask yourself, uh, you know, I don't know, believe in yourself. Yeah, believe in yourself. I mean, don't just waste money for the sake of wasting money, but believe in yourself. Yeah. Uh, and then and then and then care about what you're putting together. I just did a show at uh, and this is a, a a bit of a preparation thing i just did a show at zany's on tuesday i filmed a show for some of my friends i brought a, uh, five of my friends into town and uh some of them live here but we did a, a show where i'm trying to help record get them some good high quality videos get some audio that hopefully we can put together an album for some things i want to do um but I also wanted to film some of my old jokes. Some of my jokes that are on, like, one, I wanted to film my fish jokes, which are only on an album, but not available in video. So I wanted to film those. And then some other things that are filmed 
but maybe they're on a Tonight Show or they're on Comedy Central or they're on Netflix and I don't actually own the audio for anything on an album. I wanted to get though, because I have two albums with a lot of jokes on it, but I'm like, I want all my jokes to be available for people to listen to on albums where they can just go to my Spotify and listen to basically every joke that I've ever wrote. I mean, my new special will eventually be an album and it'll be available on Spotify. Um, so I, I was like, oh man. So I just took the day and I went to a coffee shop and I just started, you know, I, I took, I took a, about a month in, in getting these things together and figuring out what I wanted to do. But in, in the, and then I started saying the jokes to myself, but I, I, I took a day, I wrote out a set list, I formulated how I wanted it, it to go. And then from Monday, two weeks ago, I did my new hour that I'm doing at Zany's. And then a week later, I did a completely different hour of old jokes that I got filmed. And I, I mean, it felt great. I was like, wow, I really put, I mean, I was just so, uh, I hate to say like proud of myself, but I was just proud of that process uh, at the end of the night where I'm like, man, I put this whole set list together. I really worked on it. I memorized it and I came out here and I did it. Uh, and I just was like, wow, that was awesome. Yeah. Preparation breeds confidence. When you know you've done all that you can do to put yourself in a good position for whatever it is you're doing, whether you're shooting a special, you're, you're just um, doing a show for a set for Sirius XM, um, or you're writing a book or this or that, you know, you've done everything you could do. You have applied yourself and then you just let it go and just say, this is, that's up to God. Now I know I've done what I can do and now I got to let it go. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's like when I was preparing the special, I was very happy with how I did there, but it's like, I took months and I, I was like, this is my hour. So it was my hour I was already doing, but I was tightening it up, making it better. And then I started doing that in clubs all over the place. So by the time I actually filmed the special, I was like, well, yeah, I know these jokes backwards and forwards. But with this, this one that I just did, I was like, I don't want to be doing these jokes on the road a bunch because they're old jokes. When people are paying money to come see me, I want them to see my new jokes. I don't mind if they see an old joke here and there, but I don't want them to just see all old jokes. But with this show, I felt like, all right, what I'm doing is I'm giving you, I brought four, five comics each doing 10 minutes. So I'm like, I'm giving this audience 50 minutes of good comedy that they've probably never seen. And then I'm going to be working on uh, about half of this is old jokes that they've likely seen. Uh, a quarter of it is old jokes that they might not have seen because I didn't do them all the time. And then a quarter of this is kind of new stuff. I wrote a few new things just for the recording and it just felt good. It felt good to really work on something and then put it out and go, man, I just, I don't know. It just felt awesome. Yeah. I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm so happy that the show went well. I'm happy that the show went well for all the comics that uh, came and did it. And I hope that, um, you know, that it all kind of goes according to the plan, get them up on Sirius XM and help them make a little extra money. Yeah. And that's what I, I want because, you know, sometimes I feel like, 
you know, people may not necessarily be getting the industry love and, and maybe they will eventually and they're just not right now, but they are very funny. And I feel like with Sirius XM, my, my whole thought process is like the people riding around in their cars, they want to hear these people because they're very funny. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and Sirius XM just needs to be able to hear them and be presented it from someone else. Yeah. Like myself, who gets played on Sirius XM quite a bit. Yes, you do. I just want to, to finish this statement. I realized that I started to talk about Jesse Daniel and the special being called Working Man. And then I went off on a tangent about how people were going to be making fun of me because saying I'm not a working man. And then I went into this long, long tangent and I never finished the statement. But my friend and country singer, Jesse Daniel, I asked him, would he be interested in, in writing a song for me on the first um, thing I did with Netflix, the half hour, I had Merle Haggard's Working Man Blues. And this album is, or this special is going to be called Working Man. And so I wanted to change it up a bit. And Jesse Daniel has become my friend and he's a really great country singer. He has uh, three albums on Spotify. Very good stuff. If you ever want to go check it out, if you like good classic country, and I've talked about Jesse many times before, but uh, he has written the intro song for me on Working Man. It's called uh, Working Man, Both Day and Night. And it's a really great song. He's going to release an album following all this with the song on there. So it will be a complete song, but he wrote it and really catered some of the lyrics to me. And I just think that it's very cool. I just am very happy with the special top to bottom. I've got a nice little thing at the end with the credits roll where I have some pictures of some of my family and a little video of me as a kid that will correspond with one of the jokes that I do on the special while Jesse's song plays out. Uh, and I just think it's really great. Great. It's just a, a fun uh, a piece of artwork that I've been able to put together with my jokes, with the video elements, with this song, with some pictures. And I'm just excited for you to see it coming out Netflix, January 16th. Um, but speak it, you know, but then, the, then you can, you know, you can get, uh, uh, targeted by an ad on, um, on Instagram for say a yard glider. And you want to move some logs and some rocks around on your property. So you go, I need a yard glider. So you order it and then it doesn't come in yet. And your wife tells you, oh, I bet it's going to be just a tarp. She doesn't believe in you. And then you, you get it and it's not a tarp. And she has to admit that it's not a tarp. It's a very thick piece of plastic. It was absolutely a tarp it's not a tarp at all and and, and the fact that you if it's not a tarp then i don't know what a tarp well, is. well that's what i'm about to say the fact that you're still calling it a tarp means you don't even know what a tarp is this is this is just beyond this is beyond that you cannot accept that's an ad on instagram caught you up well, and they pitched you on a yard glider, well, that, some fun sounding name, and it lo and behold was a tarp. And well, you, upon finding it, actually just discovered it's a tarp. No, well, that's 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 where you're wrong though, because I'm I'm about to admit that they I feel like they got me, yeah. but it's yeah, not a tarp did. though. 
This is what okay. it is. It's a very thick piece of square plastic where they've, they've hooked, uh, you know, they got hooks in it to where you hook a chain and then hook it behind the truck or four-wheeler, whatever you got. Um, and then it's very slick on a side so you can load things on it and then it glides easily across the ground. This was the problem with it. And we did a little video on it. Um, and maybe we could put together us talking about it from another podcast and from this podcast and add the video in, make something fun. This is the problem with it. It's slick on both sides. So I loaded all my logs up and then I took off and all the logs slid right off. Everything glides everywhere. It glides on the bottom. It glides on the top. It's just gliding everywhere. So this is what I've ordered. I've now ordered, so now I'm having to modify the yard glider, but what I've ordered was some skateboard tape where you put on a skateboard to where it's rough on one side but sticky on the other, so I'm going to stick it to the yard glider, and then hopefully, and then we'll get some straps, and uh, because there are some things too heavy to move. In the end, the logs I could just pick up and put in the back of the truck. I don't even need the glider. Yeah. Uh, but there that's are almost like that's what a truck's for. Yeah. You but, don't even need to attach a so-called yard glider but to the, a truck. But the thing about the yard glider is, is some things are too heavy, especially because I'm always having to work alone because for the last two and a half years, we've, we keep, you know, having kids and you're always having to tend to the kids. So I'm always working by myself. Some of these things are too heavy to pick up. Put Don't in the back put of the this truck. evil on me. But I could. Don't put this evil on me. But I could roll. I'm, no, I'm, I'm saying your job is necessary. What you're doing is great and I need it to happen. But I'm working alone. So I could maybe roll the rocks onto a yard glider, but I couldn't pick them up and put them in the back of the truck. Dusty, it's okay that Instagram got you. It's well, okay that the yard glider uh, charlatans fooled you. Well, I'm admitting right now that so far the yard glider is a fail. It's nothing like a tarp. In fact, if I bought a tarp and it came like the yard glider, I'd be disappointed in the tarp. <laughs> I'd be like, this is not going to cover anything. It's too thick. It's too small. Sweetheart, if it makes you feel better to tell me that it's not a tarp, then I'll take that for you. Well, that I, is part of our marital vows. Okay, in sickness and in health. And right now you're sick. Well, you're right. sick over this yard glider. I'm going to have to, we're going to have to do a video on the comparison of a tarp and a yard glider. And then I, I, what we'll do is I'll, I'll get a lawnmower and then I'll go, I want you to cover this lawnmower with a tarp. And then I want you to cover it with the yard glider. Honestly, I think it's just going to break your heart more because <laughs> no, I, I no, think a tarp no. is actually a very strong piece of fabric or whatever you want to call fabric. it. Fabric. Yeah, I think that the Not tarp is going to do just a fine job and then you're going to have to twist your mind into a lot of mental now, gymnastics to convince yourself that somehow I'm still wrong. When all you need to do is just humble yourself I appreciate and your say... I've been fooled. But you're, you're conflating two things, right? I, I, I applaud your commitment to this bit, but... Um, Don't even... You're, you're just you're, deflecting more. No, you're saying I'm not admitting that I was gotten by the yard glider. I am admitting that, that it glides on both sides and I shouldn't have to modify a product. Yard slider. Yeah, I shouldn't have to modify a product that I bought on the internet just to make it work. 
I don't even want to tell you what I spent on it. But the um, but the tarp, it's completely different from a tarp. Completely different from a tarp. So, you know, I can admit that I was got while also admitting that it's nothing like a tarp. Yes, dear. Okay, honey. No, no. Yes, you don't honey. do that, boys. Yes, babe. All right. So that's that. We'll show you the video. Uh, we'll try to put this on the internet. Um and then um, I got poison oak uh, out there. Oh, let's talk about this. I know we're about at an hour here, but let's talk about this. Uh, I want to. I've been talking about building swales out on the land. I put a little video out on Instagram of me doing a construction project, and there's no way to tell anything what we're doing. But you see a bunch of tractors, and I got my buddy out there doing some drone footage. But. Um, we're building the swales. Our land is all a slope. We had one flat area, and that's where we built a foundation for the cabin. Um, and then we have a, uh, a, it's all a slope, a much steeper hill out there. So we planted trees. All the land out there is clay. It's all hard as a rock when it's not raining. So when it does rain, uh, the ground is so sloped and so hard that all the water just runs right off and the trees are not getting properly watered. So what we did was we built these swales where, you know, the kind of, you, you got the slope going down and you build a bit of a ditch and that way you can use the, the, the dirt from the ditch to build a mound. Some people call it terraces. So we built two of these terraces or swales on the land. I planted, I went back and put some grass in behind it. And, uh, and then we we're going to plant the trees on the mounds. So when the water goes down, it gets trapped in, in that ditch. And then it can soak into the ground and feed the tree that way. Uh, so that's what we've been doing. And then I went and gathered some logs. We built a fire in the terrace or the swale to, um, I want to put a little ash in there. Uh, but also, you know, it's just fun to build a fire. Yeah. Just we, get soulful. Yeah. So we did that and I was pulling some vines off a tree that I'm pretty sure poison oak, but our, but I was like, it's winter time. It's dead. So I just didn't feel like it'd be a big deal, but the vine all, like came off all at one, one big piece. So I started breaking it, and I just think when I was breaking it, there was just juices alive inside. I'm the only person I know that's gotten poison oak or poison ivy, either one, in December. I've never even heard of it. I thought that I'm for sure safe, but I have it all over. And a doctor told me one time it doesn't spread, but it's like. It's all over my hands in a way that it. I feel like it was. I, they first started breaking out on Saturday, and just more places start to pop up. This morning, I felt like I had it on my foot, um, and I just like I don't know where it's coming from. I may have to go to the doctor just to try to get some kind of cream or something to get it to go away. You get poison oak at least once a year. Yeah, and every time right before you get poison oak, you're pulling on a branch and you're like. Nah, this is fine. And then you immediately get poison yeah. oak. Every time you think it's fine, and then you get it. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that's what's happened. I got See, it. Yeah. I got it all over me. Yeah. Have you been uncomfortable this whole podcast? Yeah, I mean, I've been uncomfortable for days. Oh, I'm sorry. But I got you know, it's got like these almost like big blisters here. Yeah. Uh, I but, told you to pray. But uh, yeah, what kind of what kind of blisters are showing up on you that you need to pray right out of you? Well, it's it's. You know, it's poison oak. Yeah. But um, it's it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Itchy in the night. Yeah. 
Um, and every day I go, all right, well, it's pretty bad today. So we got to be at a turning point at some point where, where this is going to start to get better. You called a physician today and I heard them say something about an oatmeal bath. Yeah, well, they say, I think they eventually were like, I don't know if you should soak in a bath with poison oak, but they they make an oatmeal bath cream. Mm. I thought about like some bentonite clay or some activated charcoal that might try to pull it out of there. A little aloe vera might I may cool try it some down. of that. I may try a little bit of all that yeah. today. I say just go ahead, get, get a steroid so you're not just uncomfortable during the two weeks you actually have off. Yeah. You know, well, don't let yourself suffer. Well, we'll get it worked out. But I'm very excited about the swales. Out there, I, I put down uh, 10 bales of hay. I put down some grass seeds, some rye fescue mix. So the rye hopefully will come up in the winter so there won't just be a mud pit out there. And then fescue in the spring. Uh, also some clover, little wildflower seed, bit of a mix out there. That morning you got up. And I didn't see you for hours when you were putting those hay bales yeah, it out. because it had rained the night before. So they had already become muddy. So I'm out there putting down grass seed, and I'm falling on the hill. And um, and then I'm putting down the hay. And I got it all down, and I feel good about what I did. Uh, but I just hope, I hope that we had enough heat to make that grass come out. And then, uh, yeah, I didn't know it was such hard work. I thought you were kind of just playing outside. I mean, no, I mean, I don't know. Because I think I said to I said, oh, you must feel real energized having been outside. Well, that's the thing is I'll tell you guys this about my wife. She thinks everything that I do is fun. Uh, like, <laughs> like if I'm going on the road to do comedy, I'm just out there having fun. If I'm cutting the grass, I'm just out there having fun. If I'm putting down grass seed, if I'm, I'm trying to build an orchard for our family to one day be able to enjoy so our kids can run through and eat some freshly picked fruit and things like that. I had that growing up. My dad lives on a farm and his dad uh, had planted apple trees long ago. Apparently, my grandfather, who was born in 1900, who lived his entire life without the internet, knew how to graft trees and and planted all these great fruit trees all over the property. And uh, he, um, uh, you know, and then my dad has just uh, just cut down over the years. He's cut down all the apple trees. He just cut down one of the fig trees that was there my entire life. Uh, I don't understand what goes on with my dad these trees will be there for 50 or 60 years and then he goes well, i'm just gonna cut this down i don't know what's going on with him when he does that it's so upsetting to me um these are things that my grandfather that i ever and i never even got to meet uh put down um and uh Dang, it all came out just now. yeah it's very frustrating to me i don't understand you went from my wife don't appreciate me to I got dad issues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> came out quick. I saw a comic. Uh, I was at a club, and I forget who it was. Maybe Chad Daniels. Uh, it was a clip and it, of him. Like, I was at a club, and it was like the preview of comics to come up. And he said, every dude in here has dad issues. And he said, ladies, if you're with a guy, and he just turned to you, and he said, not me, then he has the worst kind. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's true. And, and I thought that was really funny. But no, it's like, 
Uh, but yeah, so my wife just thinks everything I'm doing is fun. Everything, everything is just, and and I do enjoy doing them, but it never can be work. If I have a smile on my face about it, then up, oh, I'm just on a vacation out here. Listen, I will say that you're probably right. I do think you're just cutting away from the family, leaving me to just with a sideways ponytail, all haggard, dealing with young children. But I would say it goes both ways for me and you, because I will never forget when you said to me about a year and a half, you know, around three or four, I go downstairs and I disappear for a couple hours because I'm making dinner and I'm cleaning up and I'm cleaning up as I'm making dinner and I'm doing laundry. I'm just taking care of the house for about two and a half hours and prepare lovely spreads of dinner. And one time last year, Dusty says to me, what are you doing down there? You just, you just kind of running away. You're just playing around down there. And I was like, you <laughs> SOB, well, you sorry little SOB. Like you think you I'm just running downstairs, keeping the house in order, cooking meals, just with my thumb up my butt. You think I'm just <laughs> playing on Instagram. I wish I was escaping just a lottie da da da. I'm actually just doing so much cleaning and cooking that it's shocking and it's every day. And then, and then the audacity of this guy to be like, what are you doing down there? She'll go. You just playing around. She'll go. I'm going to go cook dinner. She'd only take about 20 minutes. No, you two hours later. She's like, I just took, yeah, it took a lot longer than I thought. Cause I create wonderful dinners. She does. And I set the table and I clean up the house so that when we sit down to eat, the home is in order and the laundry is done. And I like to, to clean as I go so there's not so much to clean up after I cook even though somehow there always is still well, so much to Well, you do a cook. great job and I will say I said this to you the other day and I mean it um you know your food that you cook is now my favorite food to eat. I don't even like restaurants. I go out to them and I never think it's good. I mean, there's stuff I can shove into my face and I go, that tasted pretty good. But I don't, like I ordered this pizza from Gondola House the other day. I like that restaurant. I like their pizza. Had a couple of pieces and I was like, I'm done with this. Yeah, I mean, and and that's that's it because I put touches in it. Listen, yeah. I garnish. Yeah, I have fresh herbs on top of most of my meals that I grew. I don't just present. I grew a lot of those yes, fresh herbs. Yes, I don't get any a lot of appreciation for that. And I don't just present to you one main dish. I have sides. Yeah, I have various breads. Yeah, I have you know just little fun th- different types of cheeses. I'll put different kinds of spices. I will employ different techniques that I have learned from various food network shows. Yeah. Okay. I am out here preparing a vibe for our kids and my husband. And then Dusty's just like, what are you doing down there? Like literally doesn't think I'm doing anything. Yeah. So we both think that we just ain't up to nothing. (laughs) 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 We both just think like the heck. But he ain't pulling his way. If, I go, his if I go, I'm going to go cut the grass. You're like, oh, just going to have fun today then. Huh? <laughs> this is just a fun day for you. I think I said to you yesterday, you disappeared for two days. And you're like, oh, I was working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had to go, yeah, I have to drive to Brentwood and do a podcast. And then I had a show to do. Yeah. Yeah. You're just, and then I had to get a cavity filled at the dentist. <laughs> like out there partying. Yeah. My face was numb half the day yesterday. I think that's why I was so upset with you. Cause you're just snarling at me all day. Yeah. I can't, I couldn't even, it felt like I'd had a stroke. I couldn't even move half my I was face. Like, Don't you look at me like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> 
Yeah. I hate getting cavities filled. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you, the dentist changed you. You came back in a bad attitude, and I did not appreciate it. I was I trying to go for it. a run, and you were like, don't you do that. And I'm like, don't look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you went for a run and the chiropractor yesterday. Listen, like, what we are both. What are you, partying or what? <laughs> yeah. Yesterday was somewhat of a, of a, not a day. It wasn't a day off, but th this is my, my day off. It, my breaks include 40 minutes for a 30 minute run and a 10 minute shower. And then I got to drive 10 minutes to the chiropractor, get a chiropractic care for about 20 minutes, then no, then go pick up a pizza, then drive home. And that's Dusty's understanding of my day off. Yeah. Yeah. About, about probably all in all about an hour and a half. Yeah. Of time. And I come home and Dusty's like, where have you been? <laughs> You're freaking out. The baby's crying. Daisy yeah. wants something to eat. Where, what would you leave us like this for? Right. And that's what I said to you. I said, you know, you probably have never been alone with the kids for more than five hours. No. And like, you know, I do that every week where I'm yeah. alone for days. I know. For days and days. I know. I don't know how you do it. It is amazing. Well, we left our kids last night with our two friends. We had two babysitters um, and uh, our little baby, Sam, was giving our babysitters a hard time. Like he was really crying the whole time. And my friend Jamie goes, I, I've never heard a baby cry like that. She's like, it was, it was, it was startling. She's like, I don't know what's wrong with him. And I'm like, oh God, I just hear this every day. It's like, I'm just so used to it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm so numb to it. Well, we not left him like that. We had a party. We went to uh, uh, Nate and Laura Bagat Laura Bagatzi's had a birthday party and uh, they had it at the exit Inn. And, uh, you know, we wanted to go. And so, you know, we went for two hours. I mean, it's not like we went for a long time. So we had them come and it's like, I just think Sam has never been left with anyone like that before. Yeah. Uh, maybe my sister. But not. Not at night. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just think he didn't know what to do. He was like, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. And there's no way to tell him. Even Daisy. Daisy loves Jamie and Ashley. So Daisy was like, she didn't even care that we were leaving. She was like, bye. <laughs> but I think even Daisy was bothered by, because she was like, wanted to play with Jamie and Ashley. And Sam was crying so much that even Daisy was like, oh, jeez, yeah. Sam. Yeah. And, um, but it's all good. Yeah. Uh, I do want to, uh, before we get out of here, uh, Hannah made a video on her, um, on her Instagram. And, um, oh, yeah. 110. Um, wanted, um, uh, yesterday she made a video on her Instagram about inflatables. Christmas uh, decorations, inflatables. Inflatables. And, uh, yeah, you want, and, and it's available on her Instagram, uh, at Hannah Slayish. Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, but if you want to just tell what that video was, basically. Well, basically, you know, I've had a beef with inflatable Christmas decorations because I find that they become more and more popular over the last couple of years. And, you know, during the day, uh, the inflatables are all deflated on the yard. So they just look like people throwing their dirty laundry on the yard during the day when you can see them. And then at night, you can't really see them when they're blown up. But if you can see them and just a little bit of a breeze hits it, then it looks like Santa's humping a reindeer. Yeah. And so, I, you know, Christmas inflatable decorations are not for me. I just don't like the look of them. When I, And when I was growing up, we had my dad's house, we had those big plastic ones, you know, you go dig them out of the shed and they had a light inside of them and it was a big plastic decoration. And I liked those better. 
Um, but Hannah made that video yesterday and she just used someone in our neighborhood. Like we don't even think we know that neighbor. So then well, they're all over the place. Yeah. But, but then, so last night, our neighbor, and we've talked about our neighbor several times, and I want to preface what I'm about to say with, we have gotten to know him. I like him. I like his wife. I like his kids. They're very nice people. Lovely. Salt but of the he, earth. He gets wild with some stuff. And last night he was out there blaring Christmas music, like kind of like country music, Christmas music, and wearing a, a, a Grinch costume with the Santa suit. So it was like a Grinch Santa. I also believe this was his Halloween outfit. And uh, and he had a headlamp on so he could see what he was doing. And we didn't know what he was doing. And we woke up today. I went out to take some trash out. And I go out and part of our yard and part of another neighbor's yard, because he has a small front yard, giant backyard, small front yard. He has a uh, 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 inflatable helicopter, an inflatable bluey, an inflatable, so many inflatables, and then a 50-foot inflatable Santa Claus. Yeah. So that's what's going on out there. And we're not exaggerating. This Santa is taller than his house. It is so huge. It is Marshmallow Man walking through New York. That's the size of it. And that's what he was doing last night. And um, it's a lot. It's too much. Yeah. You might say. Yeah, it is. But, you know, I, I made this real joking that you can't see these inflatables during the day. But I'll tell you what, I woke up this morning. I can see those just fine. That's all I can see. That's all I can see. I can't unsee it. And we don't celebrate Christmas. I'm not offended by people that do. But we don't. And um, so it is like... So we got kids. We don't even celebrate it. I mean, Daisy calls Santa Claus Noah. And I'm into it. Yeah. I mean, I support it. Noah from Noah's Ark. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's Noah. <laughs> <laughs> I support it. Yeah, Daisy's going to be out here breaking a lot of kids' hearts with them being like, there's Santa. And she's like, what are you talking about? That's Noah. That's Noah. He's driving an ark to save all the animals. <laughs> yeah. I didn't tell her that it was Noah. No, she just she just thinks it looks like Noah from <laughs> yeah. our books about Noah. And I support it. Yeah. All right. So this is great. Uh, sorry we missed a week. We're going to try to be more consistent, but we are probably going to go to Alabama next week. So I don't know if we'll do one, but we may. Um, I got portable equipment that I can take, and we may be able to do one. But um, historically, we've never done it, done a road podcast but we might we might and we also want to like start having interviews and stuff like that yeah so and there's also somebody contacted me about an open mic in downtown opelika next week i believe it's on december 26th oh. so if you live in opelika and you listen to the podcast i may do that yee yee. it's at the um it's downtown i don't know if it's where uh o-town ice cream used to be but it's like, I think there's like a game, like an arcade or like a, yeah, or like a, oh yeah, uh, or like a, let me finish this and I'll talk about that shirt, uh, um, like a pinball uh, uh, arcade place. It's on the strip where 8th and Rail used to be and where all the stuff is at. So I may do that December 26th. 
Uh, and then someone sent us, I forget the name, and I'm sorry, I'm the worst about shout outs, but we did get this shirt. It's it's a black shirt with white lettering, and it says, you know, it's a pretty famous shirt, and it says New York, London, Paris, and then it says Opelika. New, like all the big cities in the world, New York, London, Paris, Opelika. And I think it's a great shirt. It is. And Hannah wore it last night to the party. Looked awesome. Looked rock and roll. Um, and so we got a lot of stuff coming up. I don't have any shows this weekend, but next weekend is uh, Salt Lake City for New Year's weekend. It's going to be great. A lot of fun. My friend Alec Parent will be opening for me there. I haven't been to Wise Guys in Salt Lake City in a couple of years, and I'm very excited to go back. Come check it out. We're having a good time. Thank you.